Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Steph, I'm Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Today we're talking about fangirls. Fangirls. Yes. Yay. I'm actually really excited to talk about this. I know. Forever ago, we did a video on fangirls, and I have been meaning to return to it ever since. And the timing feels right because as we record this, Disney Plus has just come out and Frozen 2 is coming out next week. My phone has already been bombarded with advice articles on how to avoid getting earwormed with the new song, even though same phone is the one that keeps playing that song in Google Shuffle. This is why I don't listen to Google Shuffle. It's giving me mixed messages. Is it? Yeah. I think it has one message, which is pretty much listen and go watch and be obsessed. <laughs> it's bye, bye, right. bye. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and it's got me thinking all of this, uh, how we talk about fangirls and how we talk about the things that they like. Uh, yeah, and also I recently went to Disney mm-hmm. and seeing all the, the little girls in costumes. I, I have a particular soft spot for Rey from Star Wars. Yes. Seeing girls in those costumes. Oh, Those are really cute costumes. Yeah, that's good. Were you a fangirl of anything, Samantha? Um, I actually fangirled over a few young boys in my time. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Brandis was my heartthrob, R.I.P., um, when I was younger. But then I would also get really obsessed with, like, Buffy and Saved by the Bell, which I would watch religiously. Mm-hmm. Um, I could probably still tell you all about all the episodes for each one of those things. <laughs> um, and, of course, I was really obsessed with, like, different music groups and New Kids on the Block. Oh. I definitely fought with people about who was better. Oh, really? I was a Joey girl. Okay. Um, in sync. I actually fought with my sister about who was better in sync or uh, Backstreet Boys. And you were an in sync. I was an in sync girl. Okay. Um, and and also had a, a really big, yeah, love for boys to men because I just wanted them to croon to me about how they loved me. Oh, that's that's great that you said that because we're going to be returning to that oh. kind of idea at the very end of the episode. So it's something so to look forward to. Yes. But what about you? I know uh, I know you've got a lot. Yeah. But give me a rundown. I uh, was fangirling all in all kinds of things. I was huge into Mary-Kate and Ashley, uh, Young Hercules, Charmed, mm-hmm, Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Green Day is probably my greatest example of if you were going to do a classic, this is a fangirl, I, I would check all the boxes for mm. Green Day. That was probably the big one. Harry Potter and Star Wars, um, and I guess Stargate SG-1. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I also had and have some fangirl tendencies around about 100 other things <laughs> these days, but I suppose we should step back a bit and define fangirl. From dictionary.com, fangirl is a female fan, especially one who is obsessive about comics, movies, music, or science fiction. The Merriam-Webster definition is a bit different. A girl or woman who is an extremely or overly enthusiastic fan of someone or something. An extension of fangirls is fangirling, which is basically the verb form. Um, And then we have this from Urban Dictionary. Mm Mm-hmm. The art of obsessing over fandoms, the characters in the fandoms, the actors who play the character, if the fandom is a film or show, etc. Just saying something to do with a fangirl fandom will usually lead them to frantically crashing into the room you're in, making high-pitched sounds that to you might sound meaningless, but to other fangirls will make total sense. Example. Wait, wait. Per- do you want to do this as a back and forth? You want to? Okay. okay I'll, be the, I'll be the person. Okay. So this is the example that Urban Dictionary gave. Right. So, me. 
Dean Winchester. <gasps> oh my god, Jason! Oh my god, Jensen, Jensen Ackles said the name of baby. <laughs> Fangirling again. Uh huh. And then she passes out. Yep. <laughs> Clap. Cool. Uh, bow. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm saying encore. Which, by the way, I have to. I have to ask. Was the was the actual example supernatural? Yes. That's hilarious. Yes. Because it is, does fit right, because I feel like I've gotten into Supernatural because of you. Yes. And I was uh, a Dean girl. Yeah. 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 I bet you were. I, oh, I was. Uh, <laughs> I bet you were. So That's the so uh, the uh, Sexiest Man Alive was announced from People yeah. Magazine, and it's John Legend, yep. who uh, who can also sing to me all day long. Yes. Um, and there were several, several people who were really upset and se- because they wanted they thought other people were better because people always have opinions. Oh, sure. And one of the names that kept coming up was Dean Winchester or Jensen Ackles. So he's been thrown up as being, should have been the yes. sexiest man alive. He's a fine-looking specimen. And, you know, the thing, we're going to talk about this too, is a lot of the reason if that... Dictionary, urban dictionary definition wasn't clear uh, that we dismiss things fangirls like is because we assume it's very superficial. Right. Um, and I would counter, you can appreciate some good looks and other things. Right. You know? You love someone who just, you know, is somber and brooding. I do. And Me specifically. I oh, do. do you? Oh, like, I was saying that for myself, but no, that I is do. definitely the character of Dean Winchester. Yeah. Anyway, this is going to turn into a whole fangirl thing right now. Um, there is another Urban Dictionary definition I wanted to include, which is the reaction a fangirl has to any mention or sighting of the object of her affection. These reactions include shortness of breath, fainting, high-pitched noises, shaking, fierce head shaking, as if in the midst of a seizure, wet panties, Ew. endless blog posts, etc. Well, this is actually indicative of something we want to dig into into this episode, the condescending attitude we have towards fangirls and the things that they love. The stereotypical rendering of a fangirl involves a teenage girl, high-pitched screaming, and obsessive behavior. Right. The word fangirl was first used as a noun with its current meaning in 1934. It was first used as a verb in 2005. Teeny boppers was coined in the 1960s uh, with the definition of, quote, an early adolescent girl, but with a connotation of animalistic tendencies similar to the modern fangirl definition. Um, And side note, one thing I personally love about fangirls is the language um, they've created to communicate. I could devote an entire episode to the acronyms I trafficked on in on fanfiction.net. Um, it's creative and so specific to things we all know, like UST, unresolved sexual tension. Oh. Um, also, I discovered standum, Sebastian Stan fandom, huh. uh, which explains some questions I've gotten when dressed as the Winter Soldier. Well, you just, you just look good as the Winter Soldier oh, anyway, thank obviously. You. Uh, that's um, all I wanted out of that <laughs> You're fishing, huh? Yep. I got you. Well, fanboy is the male version of fangirl, not mm-hmm. surprising. And if you're curious, the dictionary definition of a fan is a person who has a strong interest in or admiration for a particular person or a thing. The thing that then separates the fan from the fangirl is the girl. Yeah. And the view that fangirls are extreme that they're out there rapidly devouring all the interviews, collecting rare photos, writing blog posts, and that their fandom consumes their identity. Yeah, and rabid is a word that comes up a lot when you're talking about fangirls. If you go online and find um, any XYZ signs you're a fangirl, most of them are not complimentary. <laughs> um, some of them are, but most of them are not. Mm. So we have a lot 
to, to dig into here. But first, we have a quick break for word from our sponsor. Thank you, sponsor. So if you look at our history, throughout our history, there have been infamous examples of fangirls. Perhaps the most well-known is Beatlemania. More modernly, we have things like uh, Justin Bieber, the Beliebers, um, BTS, One Direction, Mm -hmm. uh, which, uh, like we mentioned in our fan fiction episodes, because there was a part one and two, um, and those are great primers for this one. One Direction fan fiction makes up most of the fan fiction on the app Wattpad. Really? Yep. Huh. I will say, fandoms, they're powerful. Oh, yeah. Just as we're learning, like, there's a whole controversy with Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it, and she's reached out to her fan group, and it's giant, and I, it's getting a lot of traction. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, from a 1946 New Yorker article, most of his fans are plain, lonely girls from lower-middle-class homes. They are dazzled by the life Sinatra leads and wish they could share it in it. They insist that they love him, but they do not use the verb in its ordinary sense. As they apply it to him, it is synonymous with worship or idealize. Yeah, so that was a whole... This was sort of before Sinatra got big, I believe, but that was written, and it was like, look at these ladies. Right. So sad. Right, and I think that was part of the reason he wasn't taken seriously, because they just assumed, as an actor, he wasn't taken seriously as an actor because he was like, oh, you're just performing for the ladies. Right, and we're going to talk about that more in depth later. Fangirls actually get a lot of credit, though, for cementing the careers of what are now with distance and male legitimizing critically acclaimed musicians. Or I guess they don't get the credit, but they should. Mm-hmm. Um, their dedication and willingness to spend money right. and spread the word was the basis for artists to continue making music. Or you can um, even think of actors like James Dean, Leonardo DiCaprio, which was the reason I still haven't seen Titanic is because I was so afraid of being called like a fangirl. Oh. Um, and we'll talk about that also um, a bit. Or um, Michael J. Fox, who actually allegedly changed his middle initial from A so that magazines would quit calling him a fox. Interesting. And you know, it's also fandoms, this is not necessarily fangirls, have brought back canceled shows. Yeah. So they have done, these groups are powerful once again. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, and something else we did want to touch on here, uh, we mentioned in our fan fiction episodes as well, was a book by Rainbow Rowell, Fangirl. This story follows Kath, who is a fangirl of Simon Snow, which is a Harry Potter analog. She spends a lot of her time writing Simon Snow fan fiction, a fan fiction that is peppered throughout the book. And there's a sequel that is the complete fan fiction, and it's called Carry On. I have both of these. I'm working on the first one right now. Really enjoying it. Okay. Um, Recently, the Belvoir and Brisbane Festival co-production in association with the Australian Theatre for Young People put out a play called Fangirls. Eve Blake wrote the book, Music and Lyrics, and Paige Rattre directed it. Um, Eve Blake got the idea for the play after meeting a 13-year-old girl who told her in absolute seriousness she was going to marry Harry Styles. And Blake laughed, and this led her to examine that reaction and delve into every aspect of fandom and fangirls. She later said, All my assumptions about fangirls were built on society-wide prejudices towards young women when they express 
passion. And what I realized is that the world looks very differently at a group of young boys screaming their lungs out at a football match than it does at a group of young fangirls screaming their lungs out at a Bieber concert. So obviously she's not alone in her assumption. Fangirls is always a negative term. As the fandom has become more mainstream, so too has a backlash against fangirls. When Peter Capadelli was announced as the new doctor, the internet was full of delighted comments about how this would finally rid the fandom of the fangirls. The hashtag, we hate fangirls, started trending. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know, uh, the doctor being Doctor Who, right. and so in that in that kind of mythos, the Doctor regenerates, and it's a way for the story to continue, but also for the production to cast a new actor. Right. And so the actor previous to this one, Matt Smith, was young and um, mm-hmm. attractive mm-hmm. and a lot of... Um, Who's now on the crown, or was on the yes, crown. Yes, yes. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, there was kind of this backlash against what was seen as superficial fangirls who were just fans because they thought he was attractive. And that, yeah, and that has lasted so long. Oh, yeah. That show, which is BBC usually doesn't keep a show yeah. continuously. Well, you know, the interesting thing about that, like we talked about in our fan fiction episode, it's 1967, I think. It was one of the original, like when we talk, talk about fan fiction, it was one of the kind of first waves of uh, official, I guess, fan fan club, fan organizations and magazines mm. and and here it is to this day. Yeah. Star Trek was the other one. Still, course, also still here. Um, from Pamela Wojcik, The Cultural Lives of Doctor Who, Doctor Who's Fandom, oh. <laughs> her paper. The dismissal of fangirls is familiar to those of us who study pop culture as a stereotypical denigration of feminized mass culture in opposition to masculine quote, art. It assumes that female fans are an add-on, derivative, and lesser than male fandom, which is assumed to be motivated by more serious interest, the vagaries of time travel versus the appeal of TV stars. Yeah. And something personal, I was thinking about this, I remember my brother and his friends making fun of my love of Star Wars, which they also loved, uh, and making me feel like not only was I not welcome, um, and that this was something I was going to have to keep to myself, that something was wrong with me, that I should be embarrassed about it. Um, and I, it got to the point that not I kind of hid my fandom, and I went to my mom about it and Aww. asked her if something was wrong with me. Um, and then, yeah, I avoided things I associated with fangirls, like boy bands, and Titanic. Right. I never saw it because all my friends thought Leo. Leonardo DiCaprio was hot. And I was Leo. like, I don't want to be any part of that. I didn't like Leo. I was a part of fandom that just went against the grain about who I was a fan of. So who did you like in Titanic? Oh, I didn't like anyone in Titanic. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was like, I don't like Leo. He's scrawny. Oh, okay. You know, like you it. like what you like. I don't like the scrawny ones. Um, so several boy bands were formed specifically with targeting straight fangirls in mind, which is actually something that happened with both Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Uh, the manager, Lou Pearlman, made a lot of money and then had a lot of political battles with that as well because he created these bands in knowing that he could monetize off of fangirls. And damn it, he surely did. He did. Until NSYNC fought, the, fought him and got the rice back. Yeah. Which is smart. Yeah. 
(laughs) (laughs) And yeah, there is a lot going on here, and it involves several things we've talked about in past episodes. One of them is gatekeeping. Mm -hmm. Gatekeeping is typically done by men who feel entitled to dictate the right way to be a fan and who is allowed to be in the club. These right ways to be a fan are typically coded as male. Fanish activities that are typically coded as feminine, like cosplay or making costumes, fan fiction, fan art, are derided and seen as, quote, not true or acceptable fandom. And think of how comfortable we feel making fun of and demeaning things associated with fangirls like Twilight. I like Twilight. It was a very easy read. I, you know what I've come around to doing the research for this? Fangirls are onto something. Maybe what they're onto is a a great piece of art, but they're on. There's a reason why it's popular. Right? They're not (laughs) a lot of sexual frustration. (laughs) USD sexual tension. No, 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 no. But we are going to talk about some of that later. Um, Some creators recently have come out and said, "Hey, stop policing my fandom because fangirl money is just as good as your bro money." Right. Again, though, men have capitalized on fangirls, as we talked about Lou Lou Pearlman. Mm -hmm. Um, They are created in knowing that they can make a lot of money. Yeah, including Barbie dolls. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or Kindle, like whatever the dolls. Dolls. Instinct dolls. <laughs> You've got Instinct dolls, don't you? I don't. That was the one thing I never, well, I didn't buy anything much. I didn't even go to the concerts either. Oh, really? They were uh, yeah, I never, stupid I, expensive. I'm sure they were. I remember I had a friend who went to Backstreet Boys concert stupid when I was expensive. in yeah. elementary school or something. And she, I mean... I feel so happy for her just thinking about it because she was so excited, ecstatic to oh, see them. I definitely watched everything on TV whenever yeah. they would come on. Mm-hmm. I would record it, whatever. Anyway, so women also distance themselves from fangirls and maybe to avoid being made fun of, as you were talking about, yeah. or to be deemed legitimate, maybe because of the whole girl, which implies immaturity, which is, yeah, very demeaning and manipulative. Yeah. Uh, And you can also see our toxic fandom episode for more on gatekeeping and how the history of being a nerd and the hierarchies and expertise that came with it led to this misogynistic gatekeeping. In that episode, we also went into the fake geek girl, which is different but related to fangirls. Um, Fake geek girl is something, is someone who is just a faker and knows nothing about any given fandom that she is pretending to like. Um, In the mind of dude geeks anyway, she, she really isn't. Fake geek girl really right. isn't a thing. <laughs> and something else that's happening is the dismissal and demonizing of things women and girls like, and specifically things young women like. It goes beyond the message of you don't belong, you're not doing it right, but to outright mocking and disgust. And there are internet spaces fangirls have carved out and created for themselves that are havens for them to express themselves. But by large, these spaces are far and few between. Wrapped up in this is the weaponized word hysteria, which is Come on, y'all. Frequently leveled at fangirls, along with others like emotional, which apparently is a weak thing, um, and things that we don't see when it comes to fanboys. Yeah. And we've talked before about bronies on this show and how when when men enter a fandom that has classically been derided uh, as feminine, um, which is terrible, but it's just seen as this, like, silly thing women like. Right. um, That fandom is legitimized. Something similar happened with the Beatles. Um, When it was women who were the fans, they were viewed as hysterical, and the Beatles themselves 
not worth the time. Then dudes were like, wait, this right. is good stuff. And then the fandom is legitimized. They're making great music that we still listen to to this day. Um, and of course, sports fandom, which has similar levels of fan expression, but is coded as masculine and therefore a-okay. Acceptable. Yeah, that means you can wear the jerseys now. Paint and your talk face. About how much they love them. Do fantasy football. And say things like, I'm not gay, but... Oh, yeah. Which is... what. <laughs> Which is what, yeah, and if sports are your thing, totally cool. Love it. No judgment. Know, no judgment. But we shouldn't be judging other fandoms because they're right. feminine on different standards. And you know, they do, that's the gatekeeping too, that their expectation is that women are not, should yeah. not like sports as much as they do. Yes, and we had several listeners write in about that when we did our, um, actually our fan fiction episode uh, about how it was just assumed they right. were there because... Their husband, significant other, whoever dragged them there, right. or they were uh, attracted to one of the players. Right. And, and I know it. with the whole social media stuff, people are making fun of the girls who are doing selfies, saying mm-hmm. that's the only reason they're, they're there is to take selfies. And it's kind of like, yeah. what if they're just enjoying their time? Yeah. What if let selfies them, is fun? Let them be them. Let them be them. <laughs> <laughs> and we have some some more some more stuff about fangirls for you. But first we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Pop culture experts have examined fangirldom for just about as long as it has existed and why our culture has such anxiety around it. And one thing experts believe is a part of this is um, how girls go through adolescence and are feeling sexual desires, expressing that via celebrity or fictional character, that that's something that is safe. Right now in our society, girls grow up with the message that their existence in life is wrapped in finding a husband. The hotter and richer, the better. Luckily, this is changing. Um, Celebrities check those boxes. And despite ardent beliefs that we'll one day meet the object of our affection, we haven't. Which gives us artistic license to imagine how great our lives will be without the reality of what it would really be like. And the lyrics, like you were saying earlier, they tell these lyrics are telling young women and girls, I'm gonna love you forever, no matter what. You are perfect, you're beautiful. You don't need to change a damn thing. And who wouldn't want yes. That? yes, to be seen all of a sudden. Um, and we've said it before, we'll say it again. We are terrified of female sexuality, particularly young women's sexuality. A lot of geeky white dudes criticize fangirls for being only interested in hot lead actors. And this is not true fandom. When looking at the fandom of One Direction, it is generally assumed that all their fans are fangirls. So therefore, liking One Direction automatically means you are only there for their looks. You aren't very intelligent, and everything you like is suspect, that your thoughts and opinions are invalid, and that not liking One Direction makes the person better. Uh, Yeah, this is gross. Yeah. And sexist. The fact that women, and especially young women, like something does not give people the right to put all these assumptions on them. And even our news coverage reflects our derision. When One Direction broke up, a lot of news coverage outright ridiculed the fans and their distress. But one of their favorite fans broke up. That really sucks. It does. I hate it when the show gets canceled. Yeah. It makes me really sad. Yeah. 
Harry Styles has been asked whether he believes that One Direction's largely female fan base has held him back from being seen as a serious musician, kind of like what you mentioned earlier. Um, His response, who's to say that young girls who like pop music, short for popular, right, have worse musical taste than a 30-year-old hipster guy? That's not up to you to say. Music is something that's always changing. There's no goalpost. Young girls like the Beatles. You're going to tell me they're not serious? How can you say young girls don't get it? They're our future, our future doctors, lawyers, mothers, presidents. They kind of keep the world going. Teenage girl fans, they don't lie. If they like you, they're there. They don't act too cool. They like you and they tell you, which is sick, meaning awesome. In a good way, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And from a 2014 Rolling Stone article about Harry Styles, uh, there was this quote, he knows he serves at the pleasure of a girl audience that absolutely cannot be bought, scammed, condescended to, or taken for granted. It's been tried. If you're a girl pop fan, you are the only power player in the music business. Everybody else is scared stiff of you. It's true. It's true. I've also read arguments that fangirl is a desexualized form of groupie. Mm, That makes sense. Yeah, because we're so afraid of women's sexual agency. In this dichotomy, women are either superficial, unintelligent fans in the derogatory understanding of what a fangirl is, or a woman who is only in a fandom to ultimately have sex. Both dismiss that women might actually like the music or whatever it is that they're fanning over. I like we have to sexualize them in order to validate why they might like something. Yeah. And all this language and derision around fangirls sort of creates a cage for women where the only acceptable way to express their emotions around something they love is very measured. And we can also see this judgment around how young women speak. Yeah, because if you think about the all of the articles around Uptalk or Vocal Fry. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A part of it, too, feels like an acceptable way to express sexist thoughts, pointing at something we so far have allowed and supported, making fun of, and taking pleasure in young women crash against the patriarchy and fail. It kind of weirds me out the more I think about how comfortable you are with just being like, look how stupid and silly these young girls are because they like this thing. That's so unnecessary. Why take the joy from someone? Yeah, come on. Um, Adolescence is a messy time for, I would say, all of us, but most of us. Uh, A time when we're trying to figure out who we are, all these pieces of our identity. Just trying to stay alive. (laughs) Yeah. Fandom is a way of finding a tribe. And pieces of fandom are ways to find parts of yourself to figure out what you want, which can change with age. Um, It's a tool to learn about yourself. I said in the fan fiction episode, I learned all about sex. Right. (laughs) From fan fiction and what I liked and what I didn't. Um... One study conducted on young adult fan culture concluded, idolization of pop stars has unique characteristics for adolescents. It provides a basis for self-expression, the construction of self-identity, and the achievement of independence. Um, And yeah, this is also a time when um, you are going through your budding sexuality and sexual desires, and you're feeling these things. I mean, it just kind of makes sense. Right. Lance Bass figured out he was gay or actually came out after NSYNC but was told not to come out because that would ruin the fan- fandom. Oh, wow. That's terrible. Um, and pretending to like girls, mm, oh, which happens a lot. But yeah, I think it's uh, definitely a time that people start figuring out people, girls, 
anyone who is a fan start figuring out your sexuality. You were talking about uh, previously about X Files, yeah. and realizing <laughs> you're very attracted to both of them, yeah. and that says a lot for yeah. sure. Yeah, and um, I was also thinking about how since the message we get, or at least I can say personally that I got was that you need to get married and it's going to be the greatest, best thing of your whole life, mm-hmm. then you're going to fantasize about finding that right person. Mm-hmm. We've been conditioned to believe true love is the ultimate thing. Right. And so here's this, for me, it was Ryan Gosling. and He was the one I told my mom I would marry, and bless her heart, she did not laugh at me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told people I was going to marry anyone in the specifics. I don't think I did. Hmm. Mm-mm. I really, yeah, I felt it. And um, I do want to say, of course, there are unhealthy expressions of fandom in all aspects of fandom, including fangirls and fangirl communities. Fangirls can and definitely do engage in their own form of gatekeeping, like flaming, which is a way to shut up voices they don't like, um, especially devastating when an entire fan club turns on you. I had an experience, a very tiny experience with Ariana Grande's fan club, and uh, no thank you. It was terrible. <laughs> I apologize. I'm sorry. Um, I'm a little afraid of the Bayhive, yeah. as well as the Swifties, but like, I enjoy both these artists, so uh, yeah. I, don't have no- I have nothing to say, but yeah, they're fierce. Yeah, well, like you've been saying, they're powerful. 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 Um, one thing that does differentiate fangirls, though, is the extreme obsessive qualities of it, or... Um, troubling beliefs. A lot of these things can be phases, Mm -hmm. right? Like adolescence is a phase. That's not to diminish fangirls or what they like at all or to say that everything that fangirls like is a phase. But there are parts of it that can be, and it's like totally natural and healthy too. Right. And that being said, fan labor is often replaced with derogatory words like stalking or creepy when it comes to fangirls. But fan labor is just a part of fandom, finding out all the details, just dissecting them, memorizing them, and adding this intelligence to the fan community. That's the same level of knowledge among male fans or sports fans, which is not looked upon as negative, is seen as expertise. Yeah. Rock music critic Jessica Hopper tweeted a while back, replace the world fangirl with expert and see what happens. And psychologists do caution about celebrity and unrealistic body image standards that girls may internalize and manifest as an eating disorder. And we've talked about that previously. Yeah. And that is definitely definitely something that we have to be careful of. Yeah, and th- that's something that when I I was researching this, um, this article came up of pretty much reassuring parents, yes, your fangirl, your daughter, <laughs> she might, it's fine. Right. She might be obsessive. But here are the things you should actually be looking for. Right. And a lot of the things were, yeah, um, body image standards, if the celebrity in question drinks a lot or smokes, um, or if there's an underlying issue like depression um, that has sort of become wrapped up in the fandom or whatever it is, but it's not the fandom or expressing the love for that. That's a different thing. Right. 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 Um, And yeah, I just last night was amazed at um, Green Day was my, I think, most... Right. Best example of all of this. And somebody asked me a random trivia question, and damn it if I, I still don't have it rattling around back there. <laughs> you do. You learn all of these things. You do. And you contribute and collaborate. Um, I do that fan- with TV shows. Like, I'll go back and look at their uh, IMDb 
stuff yeah. and just seeing like who's with what and where they're from. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this is what that was. Oh, and they were born in this time. That's cute. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I, in conclusion, I suppose the thing is there are different levels of fandom. Right. Um and you get to decide what kind of fan that you are. No one else can slap a label on you as much as they're going to try. Fandom is a diverse space. And by policing it, we're not allowing it to grow and be as robust and creative and welcoming as it can and should be. Fangirls are not a monolith. We come in a variety of ages. Some of us are there for the hot celebrity. Others are not. It might be a combo of both. (laughs) Or it might differ depending on the fandom. Right. I will say the whole different ages. It's harder to be a fangirl when all of the new stuff has really young kids in there, and I'm like, oh, that's dirty. (laughs) Yeah, that's something else. (laughs) That's a different topic. Um, So, yeah, I really left this feeling of warmth in my heart for the fangirl. Um, And I still am in many ways a fangirl, but just again, don't... I, I respect the fangirl. Yeah. Because... They're on to something. They're experts, and they're making you money. Yes. Or someone. Not me. I don't know who, but... I mean, any fangirls of this show want to write in. Somebody wrote a fan fiction with me in it once, and it was the best day of my entire life. Um, (laughs) I want that. I don't, actually, because I'm scared what that would be. (laughs) You never know how it will go. Um, If you want to hear me fangirling about one of my favorite movies... You can go check out the episode I did on the podcast Movie Crush um, with her friend Chuck. Um, and I did it on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which mm-hmm. Samantha knows. Oh, my goodness. Is one of my favorites. The love that you have for that movie. I left. It's and my, my face hurt from smiling so yes. much. I love that movie. Um, and also... Oh, I want a fangirl. Yes? Y'all, y'all, y'all. Fangirl Annie was in an amazing movie that we've already talked about previously. Yes. And she was fantastic in it. And uh, our friend Paul, who directed and wrote it with her, yeah. did an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Annie in the City, yes. which is out now on Amazon. It is. Yeah. So yeah. if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it for free. Yes. So uh, as a fangirl of Annie <laughs> in the City, you definitely should check it out. Yes. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And if you're looking for further reading other than Fangirls, which we already mentioned, uh, you can check out Fangirls, Scenes from Modern Music Culture by Hannah Ewens. Um, If you're a fangirl of something and want to share some fan art, fan fiction, whatever, please do. Makes me a puppet. One day. One day I'm going to get a puppet. Um, and while we're talking about fangirls, we want to shout out to a couple of podcasts on the topic uh-huh. of fangirls. And one is Fangirl Happy Hour, hosted by Renee and Anna, who talk about all the different things, including the movie The Craft, yeah. which I think we still need to do, um, and throwing things like robot sex. So sure. their, their episodes are really fun. And then there is The Nerdy Watch with Reese. Your last name. Mm-hmm. Doing some great things. But the best of what I would be listening to on her show is all of the Saved by the Bell episodes, which she does. And she does a great job, and I enjoy it very much. So nicely done, Reese. <laughs> nicely done. Um, and also, I'm going to give a shout-out to my girl, Jamie Summers. I'm, yeah, that's her name on the Twitters. Her handle is at Dark Sakura. She was able to find some amazing Muppet baby toys that we mentioned about in uh, the Puppet uh, episodes and even mentioned where I forgot about that they appear in the Muppets Take Manhattan. 
How could you forget that? I know, Samantha? I know. So I really... What kind of fangirl uh, are you? <laughs> like I, it's been a long time. Like the fact that it's back was mm-hmm. surprising. Mm-hmm. So I love that it's back. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm starting to get that sense. <laughs> like you might be a secret fangirl. Just got to own it, Samantha. I, and been, I, look, I didn't watch many cartoons, but for some reason that was the one... And it was cartoons at that point. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Muppets. Uh, and that was one of the ones that I just loved. Well... It looks like I should check it out. <laughs> Maybe I will. Maybe I need a new thing to figure oh, out. No. Um, but in the meantime, if you would like to email us, we would love to hear from you. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuffmomnevertoldyou. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 